Hey, great to be back at Elevate Church. And just thank you so much for the welcome. And also, more than anything, experiencing the presence of God. Uh, worship is such a, a beautiful thing. And what a gift that God has given us, the ability to come into his presence with confidence. And, uh, you know, music and vocals and words and all these things that we can articulate just the amazing things that are going on in our heart, how we feel about God. And you know, it's not a performance, although I've got to say you guys are really, really good, but it isn't a performance, it's an encounter. And uh, I get the impression you really love encountering the presence of God, but you also, you love people. Like you really, really love people. And I think that's why, uh, you know, I come to a church like this and it's just like, oh, you guys have got a great future. I mean, you do have great pastors. I mean, a shout out to the, the Pomeries. They're, uh, on my way here, I was thinking of all the words that start with P that could uh, describe the, the Pomery couple. And so I thought, well, passionate, yes. Um, so I was thinking, personable, they're very personable. Uh, then I was trying to think of something along the lines of coffee and I thought, well, percolate. I don't know, very percolate. And uh, party, because I just think these guys, they're very hospitable. I think it's a little bit of the Italian anointing, the Italian Jesus anointing. I reckon if Jesus didn't come as a Jew, he would have come as an Italian. Like, I, 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 I think he had a bit of Italian in him. Well, that's it. So I'm sure he had an espresso in the morning. Like, come on. <laughs> Definitely didn't have decaf. No. no. <laughs> and let me just see. Oh, okay. You've got my name. So that, that's me. That's nice. I like the minimalist uh, approach. Very. Oh, and oh, so that's the title: Unshakable Confidence. Which is rather ironic that I'm speaking on confidence. I don't know if you're aware of that. Because for probably 20 years of my life, I was one of the most timid, fearful, chronically shy people you would have ever met. A number of reasons for that. Part of it was where I grew up. I grew up in the western suburbs of Sydney, which is very different than the western suburbs of Perth. And so where I lived, uh, it's a place called Doonside, surrounded by places like Blacktown, uh, Rudy Hill, uh, Oh, Toon Gabby, St. Mary's, Mount Truitt, very working class type of area. Uh, a lot of my friends, it was just, you know, it was the, the 60s, a lot of my friends were Radi Gavrik, uh, Savannah Bonson. Most of my friends were Lebanese, Italian, Greek. They were eating salami sandwiches for lunch before salami was popular. I'd be having Vegemite and lettuce and, you know, the, the Aussie type thing, and these guys are having salami. And the, the thing of growing up with these guys is they were rough. Um, partly maybe it's from where they came from, but when they turned about 10 or 11, they started growing beards. It was just ridiculous. And that's just the girls. It was just, um, <laughs> but the guys just started getting muscles and uh, there would be fights all the time at, at Doonside Primary, Doonside High School. And, and so you're, you're growing up in a pretty rough neighborhood and my father had clinical depression at the time. He was in ministry for about a year but had a, a nervous breakdown and he was at home uh, doing the, the housekeeping duties while mum had to go to work to cover up for, for dad. And so he was very disengaged uh, from myself especially 
And uh, as a result of that, a lot of neglect, a lot of confusion and whatnot. And then I also came to the conclusion at a very young age that I am dumb. I, I performed poorly at school, filed lots of exams. For a while I was at the bottom class and eventually made it to the middle class, but I was probably at the lower end of the middle. And my greatest fear, which is rather ironic that I'm here, was public speaking and reading. And so I'd be in class, I'd always sit at the back because my life was all about being hidden, which was a little bit of an issue when I had a growth spurt and I went that way, but I never went that way. Uh, so I was very gangly and you know, my shoulders were slouched because I just wanted to hide and I just, but I'd sit at the back and you know, we'd do, we'd read. And it was just, I was terrified. And so I'd work out how many, a paragraph each, so I'd work out how many people to me, so it might have been 22. So I'd go through, where's this 22nd paragraph? And I'd rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it, just go over, because I, I just didn't want to make a mistake. I, I didn't want people to realise the real me, which was I'm totally flawed, totally introverted, shy, awkward, everything else. And then some girl, it was always a girl, would read two paragraphs just before my paragraph. And so I had to read a paragraph unrehearsed and I stuttered and stumbled. And it was just this sense of, you know, there was people laughing. And it was just like, I am useless. I am absolutely hopeless. And, and so here, here I am going, Let's talk about unshakable confidence. And uh, because it's, confidence is a fascinating issue. You may not be aware of it, but the whole self-help motivation arena is now a multi-billion dollar industry. We are obsessed with success. We are obsessed with uh, confidence and, and self-help and motivation. And so you, there are hundreds and thousands of self-help books available, and I've read many of them. Uh, there are webinars and seminars and TED Talks. You can go and spend a few thousand dollars and spend a time with Tony Robbins on a date with destiny. You can watch Super Soul Sunday with Oprah. There are gurus, there are stoic philosophers, there are motivational guys, there are entrepreneurs, and all of this information is now available. You can learn how to do deep rhythmic breathing from your diaphragm, box breathing that the SAS and the elite athletes use. You, you can learn how to breathe deeply that will calm you, that will break that whole fight and flight and, and will just release happy messages in you. You can learn about different poses. You can learn about eye contact. You can learn about posture. You can learn about doing exercises that releases confidence and you can learn how to produce your voice and you can learn how to shake someone's hand and, and just put your hand over their hand. And it's just all the, the techniques of saying, I am confident. Learn about different colours and different styles of clothing that can give you confidence and uh, mantras and routines in the morning that you can have. And you look at the mirror, I am strong, I am confident, just why you've got the little nose clippers going. And, and, and it's just this whole thing of building confidence and confidence and confidence. But here is the problem with this uh, multi-billion dollar industry. A lot of the stuff works. And it works without Christ. And it's confidence, but it's not unshakable confidence. And so this morning, we're gonna look at a man who had confidence throughout his life. And we're gonna look at it in two halves of his life. The first half of his life, confidence. The top of his game. He was the elite, he was top gun. 
Tom Cruise, remember that? Uh, he, before Scientology and cosmic surgery. But he was, um, he was top gun. But then he will find that he has an encounter. And for a while, his life is totally destroyed and dismantled. But he comes through that time again as a man with confidence. But the source of the confidence is different and it's unshakable confidence. And so this morning we're gonna look at the life of Paul who had a name change, which makes it a little confusing in one sense, but God at times liked to change people's names. You know, so Jacob, Israel, Abram, Abraham, uh, Simon, Peter, Saul, Paul. And so let's look at the life of Paul, why he was Saul. And we read about that in Philippians chapter three, verses four to six. And this is a great summary of his life. This is almost like his um, resume. If he was here today, we would say, and he's a motivational speaker, we would say he's a self-starter, self-confident, he's a self-made man. And so he would say something along these lines, if anyone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, which might seem like a lot, but it's like prestigious. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm not just a Hebrew, but I'm at the top. In regards to the law, listen to this, a Pharisee, top. As for zeal, top, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So he's the sort of guy that would, in his morning routine, after a double shot espresso from a single origin bean from uh, Ethiopia, he would look into the mirror and go, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the most righteous of them all? And the mirror would talk back, which is really self-talk, he's like, oh, Saul, it is you. I know, I know, I know. And tell me more. Well, you are the Hebrew of Hebrews. I know. You are from the tribe of Benjamin. Ah, hello, hello. And I guess I can't take a lot of credit for that because that's just genealogy. The gene, you know, the gene pool has been very good for me, but keep going, keep going, keep going. Oh, you, you are a Pharisee. Ah, hello. Because in religion, religion likes to divide the people outside and the people inside. But then even the people inside, it likes to have hierarchy. And so you start down here and over time, only if you're a man and only if you're educated and only if you're a Pharisee, you can start making your way to the top. And so it's nice like, oh yes, <laughs> I am extremely disciplined. I obey all 613 laws of Moses. And after a while, that started getting boring, so I added bylaws. And so rather than just doing the tithe, I thought, you know, let's start tithing Oregon, let's start tithing parsley, let's start tithing uh, coffee beans. It's just like, he, he just went beyond, beyond, beyond. And it was just, from his perspective, faultless. Okay, keep talking, keep talking. Oh, you have a zeal for Judaism. I know, because some of the other Pharisees, you know, there's this Jesus revolution happening. They say, hey, just relax, he's going, no way, I'm after them. I'm going to destroy them, I'm going to eliminate them. So it's just like at the top, the top. And then as far as righteousness, <laughs> what can I say, uh, faultless. And so he'll go about walking in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is his city, the epicenter of Judaism. And it's just like he's walking around and you know, great posture. 
and, and just walking around and all the boys, you know, the little Jewish boys, oh, poor boy, hello, Benjamin, hello, you know, Zechariah, and, and you know, hey, selfie, <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, and it's just like, yeah, it's, it's sore, it's just like, you know, I, and it's just every kid's dream. It's not like I'm gonna be, you know, um, whatever, you know, celebrity, famous, sporting person, just, I just wanna be like Saul. Oh, you'll never be like Saul because he, he's just the top of the top of the top. If you ask Saul, your life ambition to be, oh, that's very simple. I wanna be part of the Sanhedrin. It's the Jewish Supreme Court. And that is the top of the top of the top. So I'm at the top, but I'm not quite at the top of the top, but that is my life ambition. And so his life was all about in me. And he had extreme confidence. Then everything changed when he made his way to Damascus to basically start arresting people and destroying the church one by one. He had an encounter with the risen, resurrected, exalted Jesus. Now, when we read it in our westernized, pasteurized, uh, sanitized, homogenized sort of lenses, we just think, oh, wow, he's blind, blind for three days, and then he got up again, and wow, I'm a new creation. Because I don't know about you, my conversion was at the end of the final hymn at Doonside Church of Christ, come forward, uh, we're gonna play the hymn, Just As I Am. And it's so good that Just As I Am has about 12 verses. Because as a shy, you know, as an introvert, you're not gonna walk forward in front of all of those people on the first verse, and I had actually, for a couple of weeks, on my way to the shops, about 500 metres away, I'd actually practice going to the front. In the same way I practiced reading, because I didn't want to make a public spectacle of myself, I, I practiced walking forward, and so as I'm going to the shops, although I was stealing mon money from mum's purse so I could buy um, an ice cream, and she thought I was just buying milk, but I, I'm practicing walking to the front. I, you know, I hear David Roger, the pastor, okay, and if you wanna give your life to Jesus, you know, now, and I'll practice walking to the front, and, and you know, and you know, the, the little, little prayer that you pray, and anyhow, so I went to the front, and two weeks later, I was baptized, another great hymn, Up From The Grave, He Arose, and that, that was my conversion, and maybe some of your life stories are similar. Now, I have seen a, a guy in, our time in ministry of you know 27 years, I have seen one conversion that was very dramatic. And it was a guy very entrenched in New Age, you know, he was reading uh, the book, I think it's called, something about, uh, I think it's called the Book of Miracles, totally entrenched in New Age, and he gave his life to Christ. And this is in the 90s, we had a term, some of you don't remember the 90s, but we had a term called carpet time. So you could do carpet time, although I think we had floorboards, but anyhow, Cover time is when, you know, overwhelmed the Holy Spirit and down you go. And so this guy went down and says, well, he's, you know, converted. Well, he was in the fetal position for a while and then his body started contorting and then he started making all these really weird noises. And then um, an interesting phenomena started taking place. And I don't know you that well and I really would love to get invited back. So I'll sort of tone it down, but basically he had, um, it sounded like he had a problem with gas. And for about 15, 20 minutes nonstop, the interesting thing with this phenomena, it, it didn't smell. So it wasn't the normal type of gas and it was continuous, so it's humanly impossible. It is humanly impossible. And the reason why I knew it was a God thing and not like really bad pizza the night before or whatever, <laughs> is when he got up, his whole countenance was changed. His wife was waiting for him going, this is very unlike uh, Ron. 
And he got up and he was a new creation. He went home without any instructions. He destroyed all of his new age stuff. You know, someone asked, why don't you just take it to the tip? It's like, well, someone might get it from the tip. I'm going to destroy it. He was totally saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that was dramatic. But when we read about Saul's encounter, I mean, he was blinded by the glory of Christ. He heard the audible voice of Jesus say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He was blind for three days. Now we know it was three days. We know it was temporary. He didn't know it was temporary. In a moment, he's in this situation of, on the one hand, I've seen Jesus, it's awesome. On the other hand, what in the heck does this mean? What was that? What is gonna happen to me? All of my life in a moment is just destroyed. Everything I've learned, all of my discipline, it's just like, it's just been shattered. I mean, if I... I will never be able to read the Torah again. I don't know if I'd ever be able to be part of the Sanhedrin. In those days, you didn't have Braille. It's just like, but on the other hand, I don't care. I'm like, yes, I do, but I don't. And it's just for three days, utter confusion. You see, it would have been disastrous if God said, okay, go back to Jerusalem now. You're born again. Now it's like, Saul, you are a man of confidence. And it's gonna take months and years to destroy you, to destroy the selfie life. For some people, maybe it's only weeks, but someone like this guy, it's like, you know what I'm gonna do, Saul, it's my mercy. I'm gonna take you into the wilderness for three years. And in those three years, every prop, every bit of scaffolding, everything that you knew, I'm going to shatter it, I'm going to dismantle it, and you're going to unlearn, you're going to unlearn, you're going to unlearn, you're going to repent, you're going to repent, and you're going to repent. And then I'm going to give you revelation after revelation after revelation. I'm gonna take you into the spirit realm. You are gonna see things that no one has ever seen. I'm gonna give you a revelation of the glory of Christ. I'm gonna give you a revelation of the church. And in time, you're gonna write down that revelation. But until then, it's just gonna be agonizing. It's going to be brutal. It's, it's almost like having root canal for three years without anesthetic. It's just painful, painful, painful. It's just like he's getting absolutely annihilated and destroyed. I wonder how many of us, maybe not three years, but there are times it feels like everything that has given you confidence has been taken away. And then you're asking for a breakthrough and you wait and you wait and you wait. And it feels like you're being punished, but the reality is it's the mercy of God. And what God is doing in this time is a very deep, profound work that is so painful and yet so glorious at the same time because you are getting rescued. You might be thinking, but what am I getting rescued from? you're getting rescued from yourself. There was a saint called uh, St. John of the Cross and he came up with this phrase, the dark night of the soul. And he didn't mean night as in, you know, six, eight hours. It's like a prolonged season of darkness. Maybe it's a time 
it's difficult to pray, it's difficult to read the word. You, you feel that God is distant, you've been abandoned and all of it is the mercy of God and what he is doing, he is rescuing you from you. He is destroying the selfie life. Now, if St. John of the Cross and, and Saul knew the impact of the selfie life, well, if they saw a glimpse of the 21st century, they'd be going, how do you survive in this world of, oh, yeah, I've broken the thousand barriers, thousand friends, oh, I've got 15, you know, I've got 2,000, oh. You know, it's just like, oh, yeah, I got to tell you. It's just, yeah, okay, take a photo of me. Okay, shh, Photoshop, get rid of the wrinkles, crow's feet on the side. Okay, I'm living a fantastic life. And, and it's just like, we are living entrenched in the selfie world. I mean, so we go, how do you guys deal with it? Because if I had my Damascus road, well, you guys, if you're really caught up in the selfie world, God is after you because he wants to destroy that. And over time of all of this isolation and obscurity, we now come to the second half of his life. I don't believe the second half of his life started right at conversion. It probably started maybe three or four years after conversion because it took such a long time to destroy self. But there was a time in prison he could write this. Philippians chapter three, verse seven. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider them garbage. Now, scholars are divided on what garbage means. Some believe it means garbage given to dogs to eat. Others say, no, 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 no. The true, authentic, original word, um, not Italian, but Greek, close. Well, actually, no, <laughs> like, no. Uh, actually means dog's poo. Isn't that? Uh, yeah. So I, I like that. I consider them dog's poo, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not, oh, how's this for a change? Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. No, that's just been totally dismantled, but which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So now Paul has come to the stage of life. He now sees the law for what it is. The law has a shelf life and it expired through the sinless life of Christ, his death, burial, resurrection and ascension. That the purpose of the law isn't, oh yeah, I can obey all of the 613 laws. No, 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 no. The purpose of the law is to provoke in us an awareness of sin, of actually how deprived we are. Whereas when Saul was reading, yep, I've done that, yep, done that, yep, done that, I am righteous more than anyone. No, no, no. The purpose of the law was you read the law and go, oh my gosh, I'm ruined. And then what the law goes, you are look over there, Jesus, he's fulfilled the law. His righteousness can get into your life. His righteousness can clothe your life. And so now Paul is aware of, I am righteous before God. I am right before God. I'm considered righteous. God actually looks at me as if I have perfectly fulfilled the law because I am now in Christ. In other words, he had this awareness of 
Before God, I am spiritually bankrupt. My righteousness is but filthy rags. Now let's look at a bit of Hebrew. You think the Bible is boring? Sorry, the original word for filthy rags in the Hebrew is menstrual rags. Not just menstrual rags, but used menstrual rags. And so Isaiah, Paul, wherever it is saying, you try and do good things and impress God and God is just saying, oh, tampons. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just rags. Paul suddenly realized that. I am in debt. There is nothing I can do to get out of debt. Oh, you like that. Please don't Twitter that. My, I don't want that to be my only contribution. Please. So Paul is aware I'm in debt. There is no way I can get out of debt apart from being saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Not only, he, his awareness was now, not only am I now out of debt and at zero, I'm in credit, unlimited credit, and that unlimited credit is the righteousness of Jesus. So now he comes to the mirror. Same mirror, same physical body, but a different heart. Still a man of confidence, but now a different source of confidence. Has his uh, double shot espresso. Oh, now he's, yeah. <laughs> Does that. Comes to the mirror, morning routine. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the most broken of them all? And then the self-talk begins. It's no longer I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. I am crucified with Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. My life is hidden in Christ. I want to know Jesus and him crucified. I want a fellowship in the sufferings of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He walks away from that mirror with unshakable confidence and he begins to plant churches in all of the great cities of, uh, of the ancient world. He goes to Ephesus, he goes to Philippi, he goes to Colossae and he goes to Rome. He goes to Rome and he begins to plant churches. He raises leaders with confidence, not in me, but confidence in him. Because of confidence in him, he becomes a spiritual father. He becomes an evangelist. He becomes a pastor of pastors through confidence in him and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he writes 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament and all of it is, I am the chief of all sinners. I am the most broken. I am the weakest and I'm gonna boast of my weakness because as I boast of my weakness, it's all then about the power and the awesomeness of Jesus. And it's just one encounter, one moment of amazement that can change our life. So this is how I'd like to finish this morning. And maybe just for now, the keyboard can come up and do some keyboarding uh, anointing music. That would be really cool. In a moment, I'll ask the team to come up as well and we'll finish with a song of worship. But I want to address something that is also very personal. 
So I've had an amazing journey from chronic shyness and you know issues with my dad and living in Doonside and feeling I'm just gonna be stuck there because most people, you live there, you die there, you don't have any big dreams. But over time, uh, God had transformed my life. And as a result, we, we started a church. I was amazed it grew past 100, truly. And then it, it grew bigger and we planted a church and that grew and we planted another church and that ended up outgrowing Mother Church. And uh, we had this amazing indoor play center. You know, so we're a, we're a church about 300 in a 3,000 square meter facility and paying a couple of hundred thousand dollars for rent a year. But then it went up to half a million dollars a year. But you know, that's okay because the not-for-profit business was $1.4 million and we're having thousands of people coming into our place and all is going well. And in 2007, it was like, oh, hello disappointed new pastors, everything is set for the most amazing growth. And for the first time in a long time, I had confidence. I, I said to a number of people, I think we are in for the most amazing year ever. We've just had a refreshing time over January. It, it's the second week in February. I'm having a meal with our, our this new couple, high capacity couple and a, a C3 pastor from over East. And in a moment, my life as I was experiencing changed dramatically. I couldn't describe at the time apart from just a time of feeling absolutely terrified. My heart started pounding. I started feeling lightheaded and I did something I would never do. And that is I made a public spectacle of myself when I ran out of the restaurant into my car. And I believed in my mind I was having a breakdown and within moments I'd already uh, summed up my future. I could see myself going into Greylands. I could see myself being held down and being injected. I could see my wife and my kids visiting me. I could see myself going back to the church and announcing to the church that I'm so sorry I can no longer pastor you. I, I'm having uh, panic attacks. I have an anxiety disorder and I have lost all confidence in my ability to lead, to make decisions. I, I lost confidence in being a father. I lost confidence in, in, in uh, being a husband. And at that time, I thought I was totally disqualified. I began to have panic attacks uh, while I was surfing. I had panic attacks at the movies. I had panic attacks in restaurants. Um, and it was just this sense of, God, what can you do now? I mean, I am an absolute mess. But here is my little thing I want to leave with you. My breakdown was my breakthrough because there was still the selfie life that was operating that I, at times, it's almost like I was able to fake humility and yet deep down there was still ego. And so for 10 years, God has been using anxiety and foolishness and weakness and humiliation. And now my pain is my platform. And I'm about to launch into something I've, I don't know much about. I don't think I'm a natural entrepreneur, but I'm gonna release a, I've got a website going live this week and I've got a book 
that will probably be released next week. And my whole message is summed up in three words. Shame off you. And it's for all those that struggle with depression and overwhelm and stress and anxiety. And I'm gonna tell my story because I know it's relatable. But what I offer, I know it, there's no silver bullet, no cookie cutter approach, but it's just, but there is hope. And you're different, but don't focus on your destination. I wanna get free, I wanna get free, I get that, but just focus on the here and now. God is wholly present in the now, in the mess. That like me, maybe your breakdown is your breakthrough because it just destroys more and more of self. And it just breaks you to the point of, it's just Jesus. (laughs) And so for a time I've lost my confidence, but with Karen and with Christ, we're about to step into the unfamiliar with unshakable confidence because in my absolute vulnerability and weakness, which I'm now going to boast about. (laughs) I'm gonna boast about it. I am so weak, so broken. And yet Christ and His power is made manifest. So I don't think we're gonna sing, we're not gonna close with a song of worship, but can I ask you to stand in the presence of Jesus And as a fellow pilgrim, I want to pray over you. Not just for a release of confidence, a zap, but just, will you just go on your journey with confidence? That is, if God is for you and He is, well then really, who can be against you? So Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the life of Saul. Because many of us can relate to being self-made, to having self-confidence. I know for my wife, Karen, for much of her life because of where she was raised and her schooling, it was so different from me. Her life was self-confidence, but she had an encounter with you. And now her confidence is in Christ. And as for Rob, my life wasn't self-confidence, it was self absorption, self-protection, self-doubt, self-hatred, self-condemnation. And and at the end of the day, it's all the same, it's self. So Lord, I'm praying for wherever people are that you will break and dismantle and mold and, and recreate in us a life that is filled with the fullness of Christ that we will be a community full of confidence, not just as individuals, but Elevate Church will be filled with unshakable confidence and it's in Christ that you could be an introvert, but you're a passionate introvert. You're a confident introvert because you are filled with the fullness of Christ. So as we leave this place, Father God, we leave with unshakable Christ uh, confidence because our life is hidden in Christ. We are covered in the righteousness of Christ. We are filled with the righteousness of Christ. We are before You, the righteousness of Christ, that we have confidence in Christ. And if there is anyone here this morning who is either an atheist 
or you've been in religion and religion has been exposed. It's all about works. It's all about impressing. And you realise, oh, I want a life where it's not summed up by what I do, but what has been done by Christ on the cross. We pray that today will be the day of salvation, that you talk to someone at the end of this service and say, just like Saul, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want my my life to be so filled with Jesus. So Father God, you send us from this place with our heads lifted high, with shame off us, with unshakable confidence. We say, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And when the alarm goes off tomorrow morning, I'm not gonna go, oh no, it's Monday. I'm gonna go, it is Monday and I am filled with Christ and all of the gifts of Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna go into that uni, I'm gonna go into that school, I'm gonna go into that room, I'm gonna go into that workplace, I'm gonna go onto that property with confidence in Christ. Let your kingdom come in and through our brokenness before you. Thank you for the anointing of brokenness. We release the anointing of brokenness. We are crucified with Christ. No longer we who lives, but Christ lives in us. Why don't we express our appreciation to Jesus just by clapping. Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, He reigns on high. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. God bless you, amen.